Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. I was in the prayer meeting this morning. I thought this why uh, Jamal was actually running the prayer meeting this morning. What you've got to watch is a wet blanket. Uh, in other words, a wet blanket is like an atmosphere that comes around your life. It just makes you nice and subdued. Mike Connell talks about this. It's actually spawned from a spirit power. And it basically, it sits over churches where it's just like, it's like the shell is there, but the animal's gone away. The shell has been in there. The whole shellfish has been washed up on the beach, but the animal's gone away. It's just the, the formal glory. And so we can sit here like mullets or stunned shellfish, and the animal's gone away. But inside of you is this spiritual life. And that's what you want to connect with God. Uh, you can read the words and you can connect intellectually and academically. That's part of it because we're called to love the law with our mind. But also our spirit is what soars with God. That's what gets us up in the realms of the spirit. Uh, the Bible talks about being up in heavenly places. The Lord speaks to John, the, the apostle. He says, come up in the spirit. A door was opened up. David talked about coming up and he said, the Lord would cause me to rise and, uh, and so forth. And so what we've got to do is come up. Part of the way to come up is speaking in tongues. The Bible talks about speaking in tongues. A person edifies themselves. See, as you begin to pray in a spiritual language, it's only known to God and angels. And uh, sometimes they're human languages that you wouldn't know, but somebody else can identify it. And so that's my mother tongue. That there, they're speaking the praises of God like in Acts chapter 2. That's exactly what happens. And uh, But it's a tongue, it's a, it edifies your spirit. Some tongues, only only the Lord knows what they are. They're a gift of tongues that God has given you. And what when you speak those words out, the enemy doesn't understand what the tongue is. It's a supernatural utterance given by the Lord. And as you give it to speak the tongues out, you're actually prophesying over your life. You're actually splitting open the heavens. But the Paul says this, the man that speaks, and tongues edifies themselves. So in the morning and at night, sometimes it's good to begin to bring forth or proclaim your language, begin to bring it forward and begin to praise his name. And the Bible says when we begin to praise him, the Lord begins to lift off the spirit of heaviness upon us. Now where there's religion, what religion does, religion begins to propagate and produce a wet blanket that we love Jesus, but we've got no energy to pray. We love Jesus, but we've got no energy to praise his name and to, to worship and so forth and to get up and so forth. Uh, it's kind of like the vision. We have it in our minds, but our spirits, we're grappling to really grab the vision that God has got hold of us. Yet the vision is the very thing that propels you into breakthrough. Everybody must have a vision of God, not a vision of a good work or a great work or, or a, uh, something that resonates with safety and security. No, we're talking about a dream that the Spirit of the Lord has given you. It's a breakthrough dream. Now, your anointing over your life demands that. You need a challenge. You have to have a challenge that's beyond your strength, beyond your capabilities. You have to have a Goliath. I noticed this, that God never sized down Goliath, never made him small, manageable for David's size. He kept him nine feet or so. I noticed the chariots coming against the nation and the Jewish state of, of Israel, against the Israelis out in the, uh, the wilderness. God never quietened the noise of the Pharaoh's army. 
And so God allows us to face our fears. And if we're going to get into alignment and breakthrough, guess what? Your fears, God will actually have you blast through them so you become bigger on the inside. Everybody carries fears. We all carry insecurities. No matter what anybody says, I can tell you, everybody has an insecurity to some degree. Because the more secure you are, the more secure you are or more aligned you are, the more secure you become. And then you begin to speak the language of heaven, which is the language of faith. So security comes from alignment. Man without God is an insecure being. That's, that's the reality of it. When you hook in and link in and align with the Spirit of God, then your soul begins to come into alignment. There's a security there. There's an anchor there. Then out of that security, you can make good decisions, great decisions, but create great outcomes. There's a maturity. So, so maturity is spawned from security, and security comes from alignment. And so this morning, I'm going to continue on our message. I don't know if I'll get to it all. It won't be long, but I'm going to talk about the power of alignment with God. The reason why this is important, it's probably the single most important concept that you've got, is you need to, and I need to align, and our churches need to align with not what man thinks, but what God is saying. So we align with His wisdom, we align with His Word. We align with His ways and we align with His will. We align we line with the Spirit of God, the measure of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We align with the things of God. And then we begin to live in John 10.10, 10, the abundant living, the Christian life, the blessed life, the blessed life that God has paid an awesome price for you. I know there's going to be sufferings and disappointments and hard times. We're guaranteed that. The Bible talks extensively about that. But in the process of all of that, you can rise above them because your spirit, even if you were in incarceration or in jail, there's something within you that rises up. Abba Father, there's a trust in you. Even though the economy of the world economy, the Western economy might uh, go on its head in the few years time, say it doesn't matter. There's something in you is able to trust God where well, you can't trace him. You're able to praise the Lord in the time of a valley and a time of a high place. That's the generation that God is bringing forth, a generation of people that will praise him and have a spirit of thanksgiving regardless of what's happening in your well. You might be facing hell right now or high waters right now, but you know the Lord has something, the language of faith. He wants you to proclaim the things of the Spirit. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Alignment. It's all over the church. It's what God is speaking to us about. It's a now word. It's a prophetic word to the nations. It comes with connection. It comes with different other terminology. The way I've got it is a way of alignment. But I want to I talk to you a little bit about these things this morning. Most of us, sometimes, we live life, our Christian walk, like a rocking horse. And a rocking horse, we rock forward and we rock back. We rock forward and we rock back. We go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And it's a frustrating ordeal when you're on the rocking horse of life. It's not the will of God. It's not the purpose of the Lord that you be on a spiritual rocking horse backwards and forwards, year after year, just the same old thing. It tells me that the vision of God that you have is tiny. The vision you have is small. Because vision of God is expansive. It's way bigger than the celebration of rock. The kingdom of God is bigger than any community in the world. And when we link in and align in with the very detailed purpose that God has for us, there's something with a challenge that begins to rise our faith up when we begin to match the giants. That's a different message. Oh, man. So we discovered last week what alignment was. Recap real quickly. Being aligned is choosing to live in harmony with Jesus. His voice, 
his word. That means we bring in our aspirations, our priorities, our values, our time management, our language, our thoughts, all these things, our longings. We bring them in under the authority and the reign of Christ. That's where abundant living lives. Number two, God does not bless a mess. He doesn't bless disorder. He allows us to walk through those choices. But when we cry out to God in alignment, God help me, God is faithful to come and help you begin to stitch your life up and stitch my life up for the better. Number three, there's a prophetic urgency called a clarion call. That our decisions, that they see these, these things that are coming around the globe, if you like, and I don't like preaching that kind of stuff, but nonetheless, it is a Bible reality. There is this stuff coming. All right, there's stuff happening. There's stuff happening. Uh, coming. If you'd open up your eyes and begin to get out of the sand somewhat and begin to see what's happening in the nations of the earth, it will affect us indirectly and directly at some stage. But God wants us to anchor in on Him. It's called a clarion call. It's an urgency in the Spirit. God is speaking to the churches globally. It's amazing what He's saying. God does nothing except He talked to His prophets. Then the next one, number four, Jesus describes the moral climate or the temperature, the kind of characteristics of a generation just before he returns. Just before he returns. What is it going to look like? Well, in Luke 17, 26, 29, right through it says, and it was in the, so it was in the days of Noah. It'll be in the days of the Son of Man's return. They ate. They drank. They married wives. Well, that's good. They were given in marriage. That's awesome. Until, everybody say, the day. The day. What day? The day where the Lord returns. Until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. A judgment. When Christ comes back to the earth, understand he comes in grace. He comes to bring his people, the fold, the flock. He is the shepherd. He comes as Lord and Savior. He also comes as King and Savior. But he also comes as judge. We must understand that that's, that's a true principle. We don't talk much about that, but the Bible, there's flip sides to God. There's multiple facets or dimensions to God. There's the justice and the righteous arm of the Lord. There's also the mercy and the compassion side. But good, uh, behold the goodness and the severity of the Lord. The lamb and the lion, they both go together under the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, under wisdom, Father God. And then we have in verse 28, it's likewise at the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on that day, can you say that day? That lot went into, out of Solomon, rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. There has never been a generation, they are saying, that's embraced the judgment of God. There's been no generation that's been able to say, here yeah, we welcome it. Uh, thank you. No, no. I, I was thinking maybe there's a city called Nineveh that happened, a real historical city. Jonah, the prophet, was sent. You know the story? And he began to talk to them and say, hey, judgment is coming. They fasted and they began to repent. Some cities and some people have done that, but a generation in the world has never done it. Not a complete generation. We haven't welcomed the intensity. We're kind of, this is what we've done. We've gone into a non-responsive. Non have you ever counseled somebody in life? And you, you, you want to be sensitive because they're fragile. There's some brokenness, but there's a whole lot of uh, attitude with it. And the, 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 the kind of identity issues wrapped up in some things. You talk to them about destruction, about what they're doing. You have to be sensitive because you want to love the person uh, and so forth. But they don't see it. They don't want to see it. 
and then you have to let them go. And sometimes you drive away and you cry and you sort of think, man, this is, this is a pure life. This is such a, a beautiful couple or a, or a beautiful person. And they're walking in destruction. It's kind of like they don't see it or perhaps even want to see it. That's like what the Lord is saying is a generation coming like that. But fortunately, if you're born again, you're on the good team. You're on the rescued team. And, uh, but what we've got to do is to listen to the word of the Lord for us as a congregation. And that word was proclaim. We've got to proclaim Jesus every moment of the day that we get interface with our work colleagues. Do an act of kindness. Have the integrity. Restrain the lips from gossip. Go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. Allow God to do some stuff through their lives. Pray for them. Begin to lift up Jesus in the midst and begin to tell them about Jesus. Hook up with lunch. Hook up with texts and so forth and say, hey, can we get together? Let me... Hear your story and begin to bring Christ in there. Tell them about the hope of glory. Tell them about Christ's coming and Christ's plan for your life. It'll be amazing. It's what the people want. It's what the people desire. They're blinded and can't see it, but it's what they need. Amen? Okay, getting there real fast. We must understand it's dangerous to live at odds with God. Jesus said to Paul, why do you kick against the goads? Next one is many Christians live in conflict with themselves and conflict at war with themselves, double-minded. I love what the, the Bible talks about Peter, Peter the apostle. Man, it's amazing. He fished all night long. He should know. He's the qualified fisherman with Nah. So Nah and Peter are out in the boat. And it's amazing. They fished all night, night long and it's like a dearth. There's nothing out there. The, the lake is empty. He comes back in and Jesus says to Peter, he says, cast your nets out, go back out, cast it out. And Peter says this, we've been fishing all night long, Lord. We've caught nothing. In other words, the lake is, there's nothing there. And he said this, nevertheless, I'll do what you ask me to do. And we will launch out to the other side. And of course, they caught a miracle catch. Now, he was a smarter man than most. Because most of us get proud about what we believe and what we do. And to have God interfere, it's kind of, I know what I'm doing, Lord, you know. But, but with the Lord, what, he, what Peter did, he's a smarter guy than most. Because even though there was no circumstance to prove, wasn't running with tuna or mahi-mahi or anything like that at all. Not there in the Lake Galilee, that's for sure. They have cat, other kinds of fish. Hey, there was none of that. But you know what? He put out, he listened to the word of the Lord. And that's what we've got to do. Flow with the Holy Spirit. When God speaks, do. That's where the blessing is. The blessing's in his voice. Wow. The Holy Spirit flows with great ease when you're aligned with God. Oh, great ease with the voice of the Lord. It flows. Cancers go. Tumors go. That's when the miracle money comes in. That's when the God opportunities come from the throne of grace. It's when he begins to unlock things around your life that it's too miraculous, it's too coincidental, it's beyond your education, it's beyond your financial worth, it's beyond your influence. God begins to bring his opportunity. God begins to resource you like you've never resourced, never resourced before. That's when, when we align with God, the miracles begin to come. When we align with God, that's when the flow comes, one thing after another, after another, after another. Praise the Lord. It's amazing, Ruth, working in the field. She aligned her heart with God. You'll know the story, Ruth and Naomi. Within a week, she owned the field. 
part owner. Mordecai was sitting outside the courts. About a week or so later, he's in the courts being a decision maker, being part of the team. He had lined himself. Esther basically saved the nation from genocide, stood up and stood for Israel. And you know what? She was blessed and began to align her life, and she begins to save the neck of a whole generation of people. Incredible. Joseph was seriously taken advantage of. He was in prison for a season, but he was prime minister for length. And you might be in a difficult season this morning, but there's a limit to it. Well, I have a time frame on it. God will allow the crushing to go on. Even in the restoration of healing, there's still pain and hurt. And so what happens is this Joseph began to be, what, the prime minister, second the most powerful person in the whole of Egypt, the most powerful nation on the earth at that time. In prison, then to praise. Into prison and then to the promise because he aligned and trusted God. Abraham, his life still speaks. Made incredible commitments, incredible sacrifices around his family, around his son in particular. He is now known globally. Abraham is highly esteemed amongst religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. He's known Abraham. It's amazing. But the truth of it is he's now the father of the modern state of Israel, the Jewish state, known because he aligned himself with God. What is God speaking to you about? You might think it's a little thing. It's a small thing. But hey, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little adjustments of attitude. It's little adjustments of, of sacrifice. It's the little adjustments in your life that make all the difference. It's this being faithful in those little small things that qualify us for the bigger things. Luke 16, faithful in the small. It's the little it's putting the seats away after the service where everybody walks out. The Neds and the Angelos and Pauls of life. The people who shut down the team, Namatu and Gus and a few others that shut it down after a pre-meeting while we all waltz off and do our thing. You've got people that stay. It's those little things. It's the people that do the rubbish that put them out. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little teeny blessings that nobody sees barring God that brings an elevation and favor to you. It brings a promotion. Because you're right for the job before you get the job. I want to say this, business owners, as, as we know, it's no point employing somebody to give somebody an opportunity to save their necks. Make sure they're qualified for the role, otherwise you'll have to manage them. If a person's sweeping the floor when nobody sees, if you employ them, they'll sweep the floor when nobody sees. If they're faithful with the finances, seriously, they manage their money, they'll be able to manage your money. I thought I'd just throw that out. It's a powerful leadership principle. But it's not always about giving people a go. It's about slotting the right person, the qualified person. Often the qualified person is that their character is intact. You've seen it. It's evidence. Praise the Lord. What happened to David? David was faithful with the sheep. Then he was faithful with, guess what? Judah. He was faithful with Israel. Just thought I'd throw that out there. What happens when a little plane... David's supposed to be coming back from, uh, uh, Rara, uh, from uh, New Zealand and that, and here Rarotonga is coming back at some point, and 
but you know, in a little plane, if you, you, you know, if you're like um, Tina's dad tells me the story, and I, I just, I love the story. It's one of my favorite stories about Mount Erebus. In fact, one of my school teachers actually died in the accident, but they got it wrong at the office, and, and it was a whole thing with uh, the National Party trying to, you know, they were scared they were getting they were scared they were going to get sued and so forth internationally because they have a lot of international flyers. But basically, the coordinates, whatever, was entered wrong, and uh, the airplane went into the side of a mountain. It was a major, major international thing at the time in New Zealand. And uh, bless their hearts, and that we love it in New Zealand. Not, it's not, a, it's not a, a subtle dig at New Zealand. It happened. It happened. We've all made mistakes. But that was a, that was a, a life and death mistake. But you know, you take an airplane and you just move it out. That's why an airplane has to recorrect. Murray talks about realigning or reconnecting an airplane in flight adjustments, constantly in flight adjustments, in flight adjustments. But for example, if I am faced this way here, and then I just adjust my body here just a little bit, but you probably think I'm still facing that way. I'm not actually. My feet are going this way. Look at it. I'm supposed to be going there. But what say this is 100 meters? I'm going to be about 45 meters away. What say it's like... 500 meters, I'm going to be about 200 meters away. You see what happens is when it looks okay, but when you begin to adjust your course in the wrong way, just an attitude in the wrong way, it has a journey. It has a destination. But if you bring your life in, Lord, what are you saying for me? How can I get, how can I get my family on board? What can I do? You watch what God will do. He will adjust your course in the kingdom. And the difference is, the reign of Christ over your life, it's evident, it's seen, it's amazing. And that's a challenge for me, align myself, align my thinking, align my thoughts, align my priorities, align my values, or align my relationships. That's exactly the same for our church, it's the same for you as well. All, it's not about our live, our life, it's about Christ in us, hope of all glory. Okay, so today's message is very, very quick. Now that I've uh, backed up and told you what we've done, okay, your alignment, there's only about three things, your alignment releases miracles. If you're taking notes, your alignment releases the supernatural, the God factor, the faith, the strength, the supernatural elements, the resources are found in a relationship. Wisdom and faith are found in a person, not found in a book. It's found in a person, Christ. Books can inspire us and help us and give us tips for the top, but essentially wisdom is found in a person. It's the Holy Spirit. Mark 1.24, remember this? Uh, Jesus enters the synagogue of Capernaum first time, first time. And guess there's a reaction amongst the people, amongst the Jews that are, you probably didn't believe that a person could even have a demon. That's all for Africa. Mark 1, 24, it's saying this individual begins to yell out, let us alone. I love it. Let us, plural, more than one. Because remember Mary? The Bible says she was with seven demons. She had seven demons around her life. So you can, somebody can have more than one. Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You ready for this? The Holy One of Israel. Can you say holy? We'll get to that in just a, just a moment. 
Matthew 8, 29, and suddenly they cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come to torment us before our time? Us. Here's my point. Demons, I wrote this, demons verify you before they obey you. Because the Bible talks about that when the seven sons of one Sceva, the spirits came out, the Bible talks about this. They tried to cast out demons like Paul did. True account. And they said, we cast the spirit out like Paul does. The spirit said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know about because of a great previous encounter but who are you? So we must understand demons verify us before they submit to us. Very, very important spiritual warfare principle. If you've got nothing, anything out today, then you write that down because it's so important for your authority. Demons will verify you. They recognize mantles. They recognize graces. They recognize anointings. They recognize humility. They recognize character and hunger. They recognize integrity. They understand the graces. The gifts, they haven't understood. They can recognize it around a person's life like that. They understand pretense, performance, or genuineness. They understand. They're not dumb. They have supernatural intelligence. They understand humanity. They understand weak points, vulnerable points. They understand about sifting people, about maneuvering around a people, seducing within calculation, and so forth. But they verify us before they'll submit to us. Now, here's the interesting point, is this. They prove and establish who we are. Is he born again? Is she born again? Are they living in right connection before the Lord? That's important. In 1 Samuel 16, 6 and 7, you know the story. Remember Samuel? Came. Just eight men came to the sons of Jesse. And it's really interesting because they came to him and they wanted to find the new king, replacement for Saul. Went right through the brothers, seven of them. They look good. They look handsome. They look really cool. They look like they could lead like Saul did, head and shoulders taller than anybody else. So it looked good. The qualifications were there for the oldest brother to lead. It just was evident. It was obvious. It actually fooled the prophet, Samuel, because he was about to anoint him. The Holy Spirit says, don't do that. The anointing doesn't lie. The Holy Spirit is looking for the hunger. Remember I've said this, the future belongs to those who are hungry. That's a prophetic word. Seriously, that's just not a gibbity God out. That's a prophetic word. The future belongs to the hungry. The leadership of what God is doing in his end time army belong to the hungry. Not those who have been to Bible schools or or whatever. It doesn't. It's not the way God operates. It's how we operate. And Bible schools are good, and it's good to be educated like that, and certainly to understand the Bible. God, it's a Bible like that it has tremendous merit. But essentially, the enemy is not threatened by Bible college qualifications. He's not. He's threatened by humility. He's not threatened by pride. A proudful Christian cannot cast out a proudful devil, but humility can. These things are recognized in the realm of the Spirit. I want to say this because God wants to not just go broad in Rarotonga. He wants to go deep in Rarotonga. He wants to go deep in character. We've got to be different people, a different generation. And then if we're entrusted with righteousness, we're entrusted with the things of the Lord, then God begins to open up His doors to the nations or His doors into politics. 
his doors. Or he begins to open up his influence on the island when we're going to need it most. You've risen up, but hey, you it was 10 years of misunderstanding. It was 10 years of difficulty where family misunderstood you, but on the 11th year, you were vindicated. That's how it works. Sometimes things are difficult. Sometimes we, there's misunderstandings and you can't always justify motivations and it's these things, you know, whatever. But, but God knows how to raise you up in the silent place, in the private place where you've paid the price. Nobody understood, but you paid that price. Some of you are going through a valley right now, a difficult season. God knows. God knows you when he wants to take you out of the oven. God knows how to elevate you, just like our Bible heroes. Still spoken of today, God knows you're working hard and faithful and tithing and giving and sacrificing and listening and learning and applying and giving into the community and so forth. God knows what you are doing. He sees the heart. He sees the passion. In the fullness of time, God will elevate you and raise you up more into your destiny as you align heart with him. Very true word. Just about there, guys. Not long. Do not look at his appearance. This is the older brother or at the physical stature, because I have refused him. The problem was, is the brothers hadn't aligned their hearts with God. And he said, there's somebody else. Jesse, yes, there's somebody else. He said, well, I've got a younger son. His name is David. He's out with the sheep. Bring him in. We will not sit until he comes. The Spirit of the Lord was upon David, the psalmist. He used to dance before the Lord in the mountains. He used to write poetry to the Lord in private. Amazing. This is David. The most power, one of the most powerful kings that the world has ever seen. David the psalmist, unbelievable. Repented heart, humble heart. You go through the psalms, you go through, you see how much humility. He made mistakes, he wasn't flawless. But he was, had a humility incredible. And so when David begins to walk in, he begins to put the oil, the anointing oil, the horn over his head. This is how the story goes. When you begin to put the oil over people's heads, there's a little uh, uh, wax there that responds to heat. There's a picture, a type. So they put it over the heads of the brothers. Nothing happened. But on the eighth son is a type for, for God's perfection. Eight, David comes and he was the eighth ranked son. Benjamin came in after that, but he puts the oil on it and immediately the wax begins to melt because of the heat, the fire on David's head. Do you get the picture? The fire before the Lord, the, the enthusiasm, the joy, the love, the, the, the giving ourselves to the Lord. And the other guys, they looked good, but God could see your heart. Right now, you might be in the church for 30 years, and God sees your heart, sees your faithfulness, and he's going to raise you up. You might be here for a little while, and the heart is just adjusted. God will help you to get through. Or maybe you've been in the church circles for a long time, and it's like the heart is cool. God is looking for heat. He's looking for passion. It doesn't matter how broken you are. Honestly, You've got to understand how God works. It doesn't matter what you've done. Pretty much, it doesn't matter what you've done. If there's repentance and there's a heart after God, God's endorsement is on you. Come on now. It's amazing. Woo. I want to be on your team, Lord, by the grace of God. Demons are legalists. And they understand, you ready? If you are submitted to his authority. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you guys? They weren't submitted. They weren't in the kingdom. They weren't submitted to God. That was a problem. Let me go on a little bit further, and I'll bring this out. There are strongholds and obstacles that, that do not respond to casual prayer. But in passionate praying and crying out, Gus brought that out in his first two messages. Did you catch that? About the crying out. That was a prophetic statement. 
And I knew, I thought, yeah, the Lord, the anointing's on that statement, the crying out to God. The Lord doesn't always really just answer casual, flippant, sort of, oh, Lord, help me, bless me. No, 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 there has to be faith in it. There has to be impassionate prayer in it. And we pick it up because James, Jesus' half-brother, he picks it up and he says in James 5, 16, the effective, fervent, and passionate prayer of a righteous, justified man accomplishes much. The fervent praying, God help us. Save Rarotonga, Lord. Come on, Lord, we need you. We need you in passionate praying. I need my kids in the kingdom. We need the breakthrough, Father God. I'm not, I'm not gonna stop praying until you come through for me. I need you, Lord God, for our generation. I need you for our children, Lord. We need the leaders. We need apostolic ministry coming forward. Holy Ghost, come, come, we need you. We need you to miraculously, miraculously intervene in our circumstance, desperate people. When Israel cried out after 400 years, God heard their cry. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Hey, he's one of us guys. He's not just a superhero, spiritual guru. He had with the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings that we have, Elijah. But he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It was a judgment on the nation of Israel with Ahab's uh, outfit. And it didn't rain for three years, man. So we need to be aligned. You ready for this? Capture this, please. We need to be aligned to shift some things. We have to be aligned to shift some territorial spirits over Rarotonga. The churches have to be aligned. We, as a team, we need to be united together, the church team, senior team. The church needs to be of one accord. God comes in one accord. The church's ministries, apostolically joining pastors and ministries and, and leaders together, aligned, not under a good idea, not under, not under the flag of unity, please. That's just sickening. We want to be, because that's religious, it's under the flag of the kingdom of God. It's God ordaining ministries to come together by the spirit, not through the hand of man, by the kingdom of God. It's a big difference. Need be, we need to teach on that. Probably never will, but we need to. It's hard slog, but no tangible evidence. Breakthrough. Cry out to God. I notice this in James 4, 7. It says, so submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Let's all say that together because it's such a key scripture for us. We're going to end in a moment. So submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you notice something there? Have you got it? Submit, surrender, yield. Submit yourself to who? God. God's authority, God, and what he's saying, his word, his voice. Submit to God. Then it says, resist the devil, then it says he will flee, okay? What qualifies the enemy to flee and it qualifies the power of God comes because of the submission. You can cast a demon out all you like or try to, and they're not going to move. Seriously, demons respond to a thing called power, not just authority. In Matthew 17 and in Matthew 10, in different scriptures, Matthew 10, the disciples, chapter 1, were given authority over 
demons, and all manner of sickness. In about 17, I think it is, it talks about there was a scuffle going on and why can't the demon be cast out and epilepsy and so forth. We have a dispute with the disciples, Jesus, and the disciples pulled Jesus away and he said, what actually happened there? He gave us that authority and he said, well, and he said, if you have faith as big as a seed, you shall say to this mountain, be thou removest and cast in the sea. So faith is an element of casting spirits out and miracles and signs and wonder, faith is. But the other thing is, hey guys, just give your heads up, fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer, what does it do? Is it, is it a talisman? Does it shape and shift God's arm? No, what it does, it positions you and me. Humility. Positions us and power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon us. So as you and I are walking in the presence of God, aligned with God, aligned with His authority, gives us the power over. So when we're disconnected, we begin to lose authority. We become weakened in the Spirit. So when we're praying for the sick, it's frustrating because nothing's really happening. But I know that I've got an offense, or I know I'm proud, or I know I've, I haven't been spending time with God, or whatever, there's a disconnect going on in, in the world of a person. But we're exercising religiously, praying for somebody, but nothing's happening in the spirit. That's, that, that scripture that says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, is such a key element, key, key ministry uh, 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 principle, is you submit to God first, that gives you the authority because you're connected as a son, as a daughter, you're connected. And if you're connected, you're granted the authority as a king's kid. And then the power comes because of it. Power comes out of connection. Where else do you think it comes from? Not because, hey, well, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to pray for this guy like the seven sons of one skiver. Didn't work. The demons actually, I don't know how this actually happens, what sort of clothing they're wearing, but the seven of them, but the Bible says that they, they left naked. So somehow the spirit overtook them, beat them up, it says, and ripped their clothes off. In other words, uh, you know, you can understand the enemy works. It's like, how dare you? You thought you'd come in the name of the Lord. We can make a disgrace of you. Should have worn overalls. Alignment and connection. Final one for us. We close on this. Your alignment releases a thing called consecration. And consecration is attractive to God. It brings the power. Alignment. Alignment. Did you know this? Um, it, it talks about the Holy One of Israel. Demons cried out, we know who you are. Holy One. How come it didn't say faith one or merciful one or compassionate one or gracious one? But it says holy. How come he's called the Holy Spirit? I want to camp on this a little bit and we finish on it. But it's really important for us. Alignment. When you align, you'll begin to live holy. You'll come in. Take off your sandals, Moses. Take off your sandals, Joshua. You're standing on holy ground. The elders threw down their crown. Holy, 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 holy. Be holy as I am holy. This is the will of God, our sanctification. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. We're holy by virtue of being born again under the blood of Jesus Christ. We must understand there's a position but there's an outworking of sanctification and consecration. Get the difference? Jesus, you've done it all. I can't do anything. I can't be a better person and stop chewing gum or, or stop this or try and be nice to my next door neighbor so I get into heaven. No, you've done it all. You complete. You are the righteousness of God. You can't earn that. But then you have to walk it out. Fear and trembling. You have to walk in holiness. So then what you watch on TV is scrutinized by the Holy Spirit and recognized by the powers of darkness. 
Your attitude is scrutinized by God and recognized by the powers of darkness. The unforgiveness that you have, the prejudice, the pride about family and status and, and so forth, what you do with your money or what you don't do with your money is recognized by God and recognized by the kingdom of darkness. What you agree with, who you agree with, you could agree with your husband like Ananias and Sapphira. It's recognized by God, seen by God, recognized by the powers of darkness. They know. And they're just waiting for God. Can we have a permission to go in and light up their world in a wrong way? The thing about alignment is this. It's one of the most important things that we could do. Align your life. How is your uh, sexual world going? How aligned is that? Aligned to moral purity? What are you watching? What are you allowing your eyes to see? David said, in my house, I will allow nothing, but my eyes will not see any evil in my house. He's talking about his own house. What's our conversation? What's our attitude? The realm of attitude, what's that like? The realm of being ungrateful and non-appreciative, what's that like? The realm of shutdown. Someone spoke an awful word and you shut your soul right back. It's time to bounce forward and overcome that. That's like a chariots, the noise of the chariots. That's like, that's like Goliath big. Sometimes people will say something and it's, it, it, it bashed us around and wanted us to climb away and to crawl away into a hole. We've got to come out of that cave, 2023. We've got to come out and fight with some battles that you have. You see, you're never going to find fulfillment until you're in the purpose of God. That'd be exciting. People will give you high fives. You'll be part of the wine and cheese club. But that's it. Wouldn't it be better to find divine fulfillment doing what God has asked you to do? And on that day, that day of judgment, God says, good and faithful servant, enter the joy of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand, a shout of praise. Thank you. Let's stand to our feet. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.